Every life has a story, and every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story, and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story, they are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. One of the best friends you can ever have is somebody who can make a good cup of coffee. Well, tonight with me at Kingdom Stories from Down Under, we have the amazing opportunity to hear a life story of a man who is one of the best coffee makers that you will ever meet, also a roaster, a coffee roaster. But more than that, he is a, a man of God who loves the Lord and he shares the beautiful life he has in Christ Jesus. With me at Kingdom Stories tonight, I have Nick Hine. Welcome, Nick. Hello. Thanks for making me coffee the other night. It was no really nice. Do you still enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah. Making it or drinking it? All of it. All of it. The smell? Yeah, I was just thinking about that the other day, actually. Can you go past the coffee uh, place and not be drawn, not notice it? You can't, can you? Yeah, I think you can not notice it, not be drawn to it. Yeah? Because there's so many coffees you can fit in a day. No, no, not to drink it, but I think your senses just picks it up, doesn't it? Yeah, even, even if I can't smell it. <laughs> That's amazing. When did this coffee journey start for you? Oh, it was the first thing I did after I left school. I took a couple of years off and then mum said, you better get a job okay. or uh, rent's going up and you won't be able to afford it, so you'll be looking for somewhere else to live. Um, so I literally just took, took the first job that came across my um, awareness and it happened to be taking orders at a dome cafe and from there I just got a bit obsessed with coffee, to be honest. When did they let you go on the, on the machines? I think it took me about six weeks to get on the machine. Because you start on the till, do you? Yeah. Okay. So taking orders. Okay. And then it wasn't long before I was covering my manager while they did stock take and mm-hmm. ended up uh, putting my hand up for a few Saturday morning shifts because... So how do they train you? Did, uh, you, you? You are with another barista or yeah, they do a on course? Yeah, just on the just job. On the job. Yeah. Okay. It's a good place to learn in a place like that because you have such a large variety of uh, coffee and uh, good machines too. Well, the, the one that I used was well and truly due for an upgrade. It was because it, uh, it was the very first, I think it was the first dome store in WA. So it was a Cottesloe dome. It was old. And the machine the had the other house. knobs on the bottom that you turn to, to get the, the water going. Most machines have volumetrics. Yeah. So it was probably the only dome franchise in the state at the time that had shots that were, you had to turn them off manually. So okay. you had to I use your eyes to figure out when it was time to turn off the shop. Mm. Um, but a skill fun. which was uh, important as well because you probably learned things that most people don't even know existed. Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't long after that where the dumb thing was to, to not use the volumetrics at all. But the industry's kind of come around on that. But not long after I learned that, everyone was running, well, the high-end espresso bars were all running manual shots anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, when that changed, we have a decade ago, we started using the volumetric again. Did you drink coffee before you went to Dome? 
Yes. Yes. My my coffee before I went to Dome was instant coffee with Milo in it. Oh. So you'd have one, nice. one teaspoon of instant. Yeah. A teaspoon or two of Milo and then one or two teaspoons of sugar. Sugar. Yeah. And, and always milk first. Oh, milk first and yeah. really, really yeah. mix it up well. And it then. make a difference. <laughs> Small steps, you know, baby steps. Nice. Yeah. And when did you actually discover the true taste of coffee? That depends on that, what you're going to say, the true taste of coffee. I mean, to so be a, a connoisseur, a coffee, are they called connoisseurs? What are they called when somebody is... Snob. Snob. <laughs> coffee snob. <laughs> Geek. Geek. Nerd. Yeah. Um... Probably the first coffee I had that was noteworthy was a short black or a double ristretto from a little shop in Nedlands called Rocket, um, which is still there. Yeah. I, I think a different owner, different, different setup, different coffee, but that's where I started, um, you know, just looking up on the internet where the great great coffee places where I went there and I went to a place called Epic Espresso that was at the time was the, the pinnacle of Perth coffee mm-hmm. um, and started getting into to those kind of... Uh, so the short like a, a really tiny espresso full of Yeah, and, flavor. and, and not, not, not just an espresso either. Like it was a, it, we used to run our shots really short back then. So you put probably 20 grams of coffee in the basket, freshly ground coffee in the basket and run maybe 20... 20 grams of water through. Whoa. You probably got a tablespoon of coffee out of a full 20 grams. Um, really syrupy, a little bit salty, um, thick. And was it a one goal or two goals? Um, one goal? Two. 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 Yeah. The small. So. And the taste would stay with you? I think so. Like that flavor, I tasted numerous times afterwards. So wow. it's, it's not like probably <coughs> the most me. noteworthy coffee is one that I made at home on mm-hmm. a like a tiny little coffee machine, um, but we modified it to to let more pressure through. Um, but yeah, this tiny little machine for, for whatever reason we managed to fluke things, and that particular coffee was pretty stellar. So your mum was proud of you getting that first job at the Dome? I, I don't know about getting the first job at the Dome. Maybe just proud that I actually did something. <laughs> probably, probably she was probably just relieved rather than... Did you grow up in Australia? Know. Were you born here in Australia? Yeah, yeah. Any Can parents? Um, yes. Are they, so Hind is a German name, isn't it? I think so. Or Dutch? I don't know how far back you have to go to find anything okay. German. So both of you, your parents kind of Australians? Yeah. And you were born in Canberra? Yes. Okay. Yep. How did you make it across the WA? Um, you got married? No, no. No, no. We, we moved over when I was 10. Okay. Um, so you grew up in Canberra and uh, uh, siblings? Three. Older, younger? All younger. All younger. So you're the oldest in your family? Yes. Were you born with uh, the disability that you have or you had an accident? Uh, yeah, born with it. You were born with that disability. Yeah. What is it? 
muscular dystrophy. Muscular dystrophy. Yeah. And is it for the quads or is it the whole quads? It's hard. It's a few muscles. Quads mm-hmm. definitely, hamstrings, glutes, um, shoulders apparently. Okay. Um, but they don't actually know exactly which muscles it affects. So being a, it took a long time for you to learn to walk as a child, didn't it? No, not at all. No? No. It's, it's, it's degenerative, so you don't notice it. Oh. So, so we okay. noticed hints of it when I was 10 but didn't know what it was. And then I wasn't diagnosed until I was uh, 15. Oh, okay. And does it stop the degeneration eventually? No, no, it gets, it gets worse over time. Okay. So you notice it even now? It, it does get worse for you or it's stabilized? It's pretty stable at the moment, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So all this in the family, a lot of pressure on you. Um, be a model for your brothers and sisters? Maybe, yeah. There was? I don't know if, the, if, the, if it was there. How many brothers and sisters? Three, two brothers, one sister. Okay. Um, the, the biggest age gap is like it's nine years between me and my youngest brother, Andrew. Okay. So still growing up kind of together, doing a lot of stuff together. And, yeah, yeah. What's your earliest memory of childhood? I don't know. Maybe, probably doing um, doing uh, painting and and whatnot with with mum at home. Nice. I think one of the one of the memories I have is is they rolled out this roll of butcher's paper. I think it was just mum. Mm-hmm. No, it was dad as well. Mom, they rolled out this this big roll of, of paper and we had to put our feet in paint and, oh. and walk along this piece of paper Nice. while, while Dad filmed us with an old um, camera. video yeah. camera that, that fit one of the big, you know, tapes. big tapes in the actual camera. Yeah, yeah. So that's probably one of my earlier memories is, is, is jumping on that and walking on the paper and waving to the camera. Wow. Nice. Uh, growing up in Canberra, up skiing, up in the Red Bulls, Perisha, Lookout, no? Never. No? Just the Never cold been mornings. Skiing. Just the cold mornings yeah. of Canberra. <laughs> we used to get these um these icicles on the on the grass. Yeah. So the little tubes of like spiky ice. Yes. It's probably as, as cold as it got. If you got frost. Yeah. Occasionally you'd see snow on the on the on the mountains or like. Yeah, I've actually been in the snow during my childhood. Um, but I do remember crunching on the frosty grass. It was mm-hmm. frozen solid. Beach trips down to Eden or anywhere? The, oh, we, we used to go down to Batemans Bay. Mm-hmm. So that was um, a couple of times we did that. We used to travel up to um, Kayama when my grandparents moved there. Nice. So they were, they were up there and that was, that was always good. We probably did Christmas there for four or five years mm. before we moved over to WA. Were your parents uh, Christians or? Yeah, yeah. So you went to church? Yep. As a kid? Yep. A traditional church more or more born again kind of a Christianity? Um, I, we were going to an Anglican church. Mm-hmm. Um, 
for a while there and then um, so then that's probably a bit more traditional um, but then it wasn't long we moved to a, um, a another church that that was a um, that had a, a more of an overseas missions kind of focus to it so it was a Christian and missionary alliance church that we started going to in in Canberra when I was about seven or eight years old Mm-hmm. And then you moved to Perth. Yep. What made that move? Um, I think there was a job that Dad quite liked the look of when he came over. What was it? Uh, head of music for Swan Christian College. Oh, in, so he was um, he was a teacher. He was yeah. a music teacher. Yeah. Okay. And you learned instruments when you were young as well. Did you learn to play? I, I played piano when I was six. You started at six or? I started at six, yeah. Wow. I played it for a couple of years, didn't really, didn't really enjoy it. Was he teaching you or he got someone no, else? No, someone else was teaching me. Okay. And then I um, did, did a little bit more when I was like 10 or 11, oh, probably 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of started up again when I was 13, 14 years old. And I uh, started playing in, in church when I was, I would have been 13 when I started playing keyboard in, in church. And I'm still playing keyboard. At, at 14 now? 12, <laughs> 12 years later? No, 20, 20 years later. <laughs> same church, just about the same piano for 20 years. Beautiful. That's, that's amazing. So he took on the, the role of head of music at, um, church, at um, Swan Christian College. Yeah. Beautiful. And you moved across and mum was working or she was more home with you guys? Uh, she was home when we first came over. We, we homeschooled for two years. Oh. So she was busy. Yeah. So he could have uh, had you at Swan Christian with probably a discount, but your mum and your dad chose to homeschool you. Yeah. All of you? All of us. Yeah. I mean, Andrew would have been Wow, so, so yeah, three, did you enjoy homeschooling? Yeah, was, yeah, I did. You got to play a lot more than most kids because uh, you would finish it, uh, your, your, your work quite fast. Well, you? it depends. I was. I would, I would always get, kind of get, get up and running it, at, as soon as I could and try and get everything done before midday. And I uh, managed to pull that off most days. I'd be, be out enjoying and, the day. And then you'd have to help your brothers and sisters. Well, no. No, they had to do their own. They had to, they had to look after themselves. <laughs> but um, it's funny. I, I was like that, but my brother was was very much. He would he would leave it until the last possible minute. Okay. And he kind of get it done just before Dad got home. You know. Three club. Yeah, I don't know what he what why he did that. To to my mind, like, because get he it, could get it in, get it done. You know, but I think he was. So you became a self learner. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very much a self learner. From what age? Um, I'd say once I started kind of picking up music, so 12, 13 years old, when I really started. Okay. Figure it out. I mean, before that, just filling fill in your, your homework, do your schoolwork. Like, yeah. Just just uh, just doing the doing the work that. that People said I had to do and ticking the, the, the boxes and not putting in any uh, discretionary, discretionary efforts. So Did speak. you develop any interest in your early teens? Mostly music. Mm-hmm. 
and that, uh, yeah, it was probably music. Was your house like a house of worship? Like your dad would play instruments, everybody was, there's always noise and music in the house or not so much? Um, not really, no. I'd say we, we, we made a lot of music at mm -hmm. home, but there's, um, uh, we used to play drums for a bit. That was, that was pretty noisy. Yeah. Um, and, and, and playing a bit of, Bit of bit of music together, but mostly um, w what I would have done at, at home was play play music kind of with myself. So yeah. sometimes you know, Dad would come out and show me a few bits and pieces, or show me a chord on the guitar or whatever. But kind of at that point, I was out in my little den, yeah, um, learning music on my on my own. Nice. Um, what else did you do in your teenage years? What did you enjoy doing apart from music? I used to play in the uh, in the mud puddle a little bit. It was well, so so one of the things that I got into was um, frog watching. Okay. So because we had a creek running through our backyard. So you were in the Swan Valley or Cabinshaw? no, up in the hills, so up, up Darlington Way. Okay. Um, so we had a winter creek. Yeah. And you know, I look at frogs and plant trees, and I think I was. The, the head of the local friends reserve when I was like 15 years old or something. Nice. Um, got myself in the paper for, for being a bit of a greenie. Oh. So that was good. good. I think I really enjoyed the kind of the regenerative side of that. You, know, you put something in, it's going to make things better. Wonderful. And uh, the, um, uh, the disability... So it started at about 10, 11, and gradually made it more difficult for you to walk or? Yeah, it, it did. I don't think it really hit until 16, 17 years old. I was still walking to the train, so I was doing a fair bit of walking in high school. Were your parents aware of how serious no, this was? No, I mean, when I was like 10, I would just start falling over. Um, and we thought it was something to do with my knees and then it stopped for a while. Mm -hmm. um, I presume what actually happened is that I adapted my walking style yep. so that I wouldn't fall over. So I stopped relying on my, my quads and started using a different walking pattern. Mm -hmm. um, and so from there we, we didn't really notice except my, sh my shoes wore a little bit too much on the edges. Mm -hmm. And then when I was probably 13, my uncle let everyone know that he, he had it and then um, um, about 18 months later or perhaps even less, I was like, I don't, worth getting tested, I think. I don't know what it was. I just kind of have, have this hunch that maybe things weren't quite quite right. Um, it would probably have been when I was 15. So I, I was back in a, in a government high school at this point. So year ten, yep. when we when we found out, um, I went and got my blood test and uh, passed out. The nurse was a mother of one of my schoolmates, so that was that was embarrassing. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, the, the doctor we, we got the test result back. Was it a shock to, to your family? No, we were pretty pretty okay with it. We, we weren't surprised. Did you know what it was happening or 
Did you uh, did the doctor lay it down for you? I understood enough, and I think at the time I just I thought, well, um, I know that God has a plan for my life, and I know that He's not cruel. Yep. And so whatever this is, it's it's all part of some thing, and that's okay with me. Wow. Um, Had you encountered God? Yeah. On a personal level? In a big way. In fact, I feel like it probably was the first decent like, milestone that happened in my life after um, like committing to, to Christianity. Yeah. So it's like the, the, the first time I make a commitment to, to, you know, to have Christ as Lord and Lord and Saviour. Yeah. And um, the first thing that happens is that I get diagnosed with this, you know, lifelong degenerative condition. Um, and I was totally ready for it. I think I just took it in my stride. And like looking back, it's, it's remarkable that a, a 14, 15, whatever, 15 year old would have that level of um, maturity. Maturity. And to me, I feel like that's a, um, um, a, a gifting of faith to, to kind of trust that God had, a, God had a plan. And then if this was part of it, this was part of it. And that wouldn't affect that. Yeah, it's powerful because, you know, others could have been, you know, depressed, suicidal. Yeah, and I can understand why you would feel those things. Yeah. But also the family could have been very rocked. Yeah. Mum's always had a really strong faith mm -hmm. um, and, and, and as similar, like, you know, when things go wrong, there's no real questioning yeah there you know well it's it's kind of this understanding that you know god's still there regardless of what's going on in the in the circumstances of course so you finished high school and what did you do next spent two years playing computer games pretty much oh. <laughs> i don't know whether that was a of two years no it was no it was it was pc uh but no, I didn't. It wasn't just computer games, but I played way too many computer games. And if you ask mum, that's what I did. Um, <laughs> but you know, I drove down to the school a couple of times every day to pick up my, no, a few times every week to pick up my younger brother. Yeah. And so that was fun getting around in the, in the car and, and yeah, just kind of goofed so you, around. You took time off mm. just because. I mean, you could have gone to college, you could have gone to uni, TAFE. It's a funny thing. I was, I was going to go and do music. I thought, I'll take a year off before I do music at uni. And kind of in that time or approaching the end of year 12, I kind of looked at it. I was like, I don't actually want to do, I don't want to do music yeah. as, a, as a profession. Um, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure. I think it was probably I realized that it was going to take more effort that I wanted to put in yep. to, to music. Um, so I kind of let it sit to decide what to, what to do really and um, stumbled into coffee. <laughs> so that's when you went to Dome? Yeah. And that became gradually a career for you? Yep. I started taking orders. I started working the coffee machine. Got a parking fine, so then didn't want to drive to Cottesloe anymore. So. Took for work locally. Worked Were you at the still coffee up there? club for two Were you weeks. Still living up in Darlington. <clears throat> yeah, okay. it was an hour and fifteen minutes away. 
Oh, yo, yo, yo. That's a long list. Um, uh, got fired from the coffee club after two weeks. I mean, got taken off the roster. Okay. <laughs> fired um, off the roster. <laughs> depends uh, whose viewpoint you're looking at, whether I should have been on the roster or not. Um, it worked out quite well, though, because I, I then I left there and found another job working for an independent cafe on, on Beaufort Street, did barista competitions, and then got a job working in the cafe for the coffee roaster that I um, eventually bought out. Had been using for uh, the competition coffee. Yeah. So it's, it's a good story, actually, because I, I, I kind of was, was working this role. I was, I was Wednesday to Monday. Thursday and Monday. So, so I had five day a week, but it went across the weekend. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of trying to do some ministry camps and that sort of thing. And, and they started questioning my commitment to the, to the position when I wasn't willing to, to, to kind of give up my, give up my Sundays. And I was kind of missing church fellowship. And I really felt like, um, the Sunday church fellowship was really important to me. Yeah. I kind of made the decision to, to leave. Uh, yeah. I started questioning my commitment as well, um, and so then from there it was it was straight into another job with with this coffee roaster. So um, started working for them as a barista in February, and by April I was on the coffee roaster. Um, oh, and so I kind of feel like that was a hand, like I made that decision, and then it was it was honoured into you know a position then at, at it was really good. When I started working there, I think they were doing 200 kilos of coffee a week. By the time I left, they were doing 2.5 ton of, of coffee, raw coffee, uh, not raw, roasted coffee beans. Wow! Every every week. Um, they grew. And, yeah, they, they grew, and so so being being at the being at the helm of the coffee roaster during that time was a really good, um, really good experience. Amazing. Mm. How did you meet your wife? In church? Uh, no. <laughs> no. I um, I went on a band tour to play trumpet in Hawaii. Whoa. So my dad runs a community band and he was doing a, a band tour to Hawaii and he needed an extra trumpet. And you, you've played the trumpet before? Trumpet would probably have been at one point my main instrument. That would be the instrument that I would have taken and done at university. Okay. Um, it's much easier to keep your piano um, muscles working, at least at the level that I was playing, than the trumpet. Um, trumpet requires a lot three, of Three or four hours. Well, I, uh, I, the traditional wisdom would be you'd need to be practicing four or five hours a day to keep it. Wow. To keep to keep at the level that I was at. Um, I think people probably have got a bit smarter with their practice routines these days than they were um, 20 years ago. Um, but it was a lot of effort to kind of keep it there, and I just kind of fell off it. So anyway, we were on the we went on this band band tour to, to Hawaii, to Hawaii, um, and there was a clarinet player that caught my eye. Oh, in the band, in the band, yeah. Um, she wasn't a Christian at the time, though, so that was a that was an interesting story. Yeah. Um, because we kind of came back from that. That tour and there was a bit of chemistry and we were kind of hanging out and I was having this internal wrestle over, you know, dating a dating a non-Christian or, or whether I was dating her or, or, or whatnot. Um, 
In fact, at one point I I said something to, in the effect to say um, that maybe Satan had sent her as a temptation, <laughs> um, which and she's still around. So yeah. I feel like that you know that says something about you know, um, I guess her her acceptance of me because you know that's not a really great pickup line. No, <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was terrified. To be to be going through this, like I wouldn't recommend to a to a young Christian man to date a non-Christian. Yes. Because, um, well, it's um, there's plenty of proverbs speaking uh, into that. Yeah. Um, but I um, I actually prayed at one point that she would be taken away. <laughs> um, but she wasn't. So I, I kind of, with great trepidation. Was went into a into a relationship with her, and you know, at some point, she said to me that she couldn't believe in God because she would be lying to herself. Um, probably three months after that, she said she would like to believe in God, but she didn't have the capacity. And then, not long after, she let me know that she loved God. Um, during this time, she'd bought a Bible and had all sorts of interactions with, in, in, in essence, every Christian who had anything to do with her life just came out of the woodwork. And over the period of probably six months, she would have an interaction multiple times a week <laughs> with someone who was a Christian, um, all these little interactions, people who wouldn't have had a clue that they were involved in some yeah. grand game of chess to get a new <laughs> a new soul into the kingdom. Um but all these little things added up and yeah. she she was kind of reached this point where she was ready to ready to to trust God to, to well firstly she believed he was there mm-hmm. and then that, that she was able to trust her, her salvation to, to, to Christ. Um really quite quite remarkable that, that all this kind of kind of happened. And I think really instructive on the way that the gospel the way that God works with the gospel, you know, I, I can't believe in God, to I'd like to believe in God but I don't have the capacity. And I feel like that's a real good description of what, yeah, what we are. You know, we, 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 want to, we want to know God but we don't have the capacity without a little bit of help. That's right. So that, was, that was a roller coaster those, those few years. But, um, yeah, God worked in that, and we have a growing family with three kids and a fourth on the way, and love and life. So praise God. Yeah, God. God really How did you follow up the question to marry you? Um, I used origami. She knew it was coming. I, I think probably because I was being fussy about the weather, but um, we we were up at this, this mountain campsite, um, and. I woke her up nice and early and we went down to this um, sunrise lookout and we sat down with our deck chairs and I got this piece. So it's a piece of origami called a hexaflexagon, okay. which is, which is a, it's, it's like a complicated version of a chatterbox. Mm-hmm. And if you, you flick it around the right way, you can have like two, there's a message on the outside and a message on the inside. So I, so I, Kind of made it nondescript on the outside, and then when you fold it open, you can see you know, 
Yeah. And you marry me on the inside and then I have to have a ring. Wow. There we go. That's and beautiful. Ten weeks later we got married. Wow. Did her parents agree easily? Yeah. So she, in this process, she had been born again, she had been baptized and... Uh, not baptized. Not baptized. Yeah. It took a while for her to come around to being baptized. Okay. Um, she felt that um, she would be doing it for the wrong reasons early on because she hadn't thought it through. Like she didn't want to do it just because people said yeah. she wanted to do it. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't. I kind of supported her in that. Um, because you know, it's one of those things that if, if you there's a sacrament baptism, if you yeah. if you don't understand what you're doing, then um, sometimes it's a good idea to wait on those things. Sure. So, yeah, I think it probably took her four or five years to, to come around. And, um, oh, maybe not that long. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, it was it was a long time, and we had that conversation a few times. It's just I don't know. And then suddenly one day she's like, "No, nah, it's time." Wow. Beautiful. Any parents? Are they around here in Perth? Yeah, yeah. You see? Okay. Are they in the same church with you? Yes. Uh, Your children? How old are they? Seven in August. Four, just turned four, February. And then the third, she's turning two in. July. Wonderful. And now baby on the way. And another one on the way. Yeah. Beautiful. Like us, we've got four. Mm. It's, a, it's fun. Oh, the, you wouldn't change it for the world. Now, you also started Decision Coffee, uh, which was yes. a roaster. You started that about 10 years ago, eight years ago? Yep. So, registered the business name October 2013. Okay. So. Um, did kicked off in January of 2020. So that was really going out on the limb for you? Yeah. I didn't probably realize it at the time, but yes, very much so. Have you had any business experience before then? No, I'd had no business experience before then. So interesting journey. Great journey. Yes. A lot of learning. Yes. A lot of long hours. Very steep learning curve, a lot of hours, a lot of things that I didn't expect that I needed to learn. Yeah. Um, building websites, balancing books, doing sales, managing staff, making processes and systems. So much cleaning. Um, <laughs> just yeah, a lot of a lot of things to learn. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was that was it was a good journey. Huh? So. Uh, yeah. How many kilos did you get to roast in the end? I think it was about 450, just shy of 500. So, so some weeks we did we did half a ton of coffee. Wow. And you sold that business? Yeah, we sold that just a few months ago. And they call timely coffee now or, or still precision? Uh, still precision. Owned by, I mean, well, it depends. Depends which the client it is, whatever. You know, it's yeah. up. It's up to them. As long as the, as long as the customer is getting coffee and the service that they need, it yeah. doesn't really. The brand doesn't just really matter what brand they're yeah. they're running. Some people like it. Some people don't mind what brand they use. Some people have gone to custom branding. 
How hard was it for you to let go of precision cuts? Because you had built this was your baby. Probably took um, a year to kind of realize that I was done. Um, so by the end, it was pretty easy to let go, to be honest. It built up um, towards it. Yeah, it had done its thing. I was um, ready for something new. Yeah. Um, I was tired. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, kind of slowing down and taking a break for a little while and, and starting afresh yeah. um, is a really good experience. Wow. Wonderful. And it's good to change, I think. You know, it's a new season. Yeah. Now you're focusing in the season on coaching. Yes. Um, what specifically will you coach? Um, so small business owners who are operating their own business. Yep. Um, and want a bit of guidance to spend less time operating the business, whether that's to spend more time at home the family, yep. whether that's to look after their health, whether that's so that instead of roasting coffee, they can be getting new customers or, yep. you know, all that kind of thing. So, you know, free them up to grow or, or whatever they need to do. But it's it's a lot to go from having to do wearing all the hats yep. and then learning to bring people on and kind of um, – stepping up into that role of a business owner rather than someone that's just doing all the work. And are you coaching the person into using systems? Are you coaching the person more into developing themselves, being raised up to another level of thinking? Look, when you when you do anything that, that grows you in your business, you're going to grow as a person. Mm -hmm. um, but the focus is more on applying systems so that you can run the business more efficiently okay. and so that you can run yourself more efficiently. Yeah. Um, because until until you've learned how to structure your day well, you're going to have a real hard time structuring your, your staff members yeah. day. And you can learn to do both of those at the same time. Um, but I think there's a lot of there's a lot of small business owners who are so nose to the grindstone that they haven't got they haven't actually got time to sit back. And get a big picture of things yep. and, and change and improve their business. And there's ways, there's leverage available that doesn't require funding, that doesn't require extra time in the week. Yeah. Um, where you can make yourself more efficient by a few hours and then kind of invest that time into getting more time and more cash back into the business. And then you can get that kind of um, in you know investment cycle rather than just so this is prove you've applied these principles in your own business yeah it's it's very much based off of um, what we used or what I used um, with, with our, our staff and what our team used yep. to improve um, and um, build up precision coffee um, there was a stage there where I was working probably 15 16 hour days two or three times a week and the other days would have eight or nine hours, yep. um, sometimes six days. Um, so, you know, 15, 16 hour weeks, which is well and truly um, more than I should be doing yep. and, and more than most people should be doing. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, kind of stuck with this 
trying to make things work, throwing mud at the wall, hoping stuff would stick, running around like I had this job, like trying yeah. to. Um, and it was just a long process of learning tricks to get myself better organised um, and study of the lean manufacturing um, methods used by um, companies like Toyota who are, you know, have these these processes that are all built around continuous improvement. Yeah. Um, and getting more efficient flow of, of, of value through a business and all this kind of thing. And I think they're pretty complex um, systems because they're built for these large companies that have, you know, a team of 20 building one particular part or whatever yeah. it is, you know, and they've got this, what are these, these complex management systems and this, you know, they've got coaching built in and like when you're sole operator, you can't, you can't that access them, you, pull and yeah. plug. But if you can understand the thinking behind that and kind of simplify it into something that's manageable for you, yeah. like you know, using those techniques, I suddenly found that my my time was getting more usefully spent, um, and things that used to take us, you know, a certain amount of time were faster. Nice. And it was more flow and it was more efficient. And we felt like we knew what we were doing. Have you launched a business yet, or you're uh, still in uh, the coaching business? I would say we haven't launched it yet. Yeah. Um, it's close. Um, got to get a website going. But um, we'll. Uh, you could do that overnight. Yes, if you know <laughs> if you know exactly how to like put it put it in words. Yeah. Um, it's very it's very good having a concept and a, and, a, and a dream for what a business is going to look like, but you need to also be able to put it in words that someone else understands. Sure. The and so that's the, that's the process that yeah. I'm going through. Um, once I can figure out how to communicate what I what I'm, you know, what I want to achieve for people, then yeah, and I, and that that will be a process that I do whilst building yeah. a website. So I'm just saying it's and there'll be some refining and some rewording and some redefining along the way. Oh, every every every. That's otherwise, it would be it would be contrary to its own um, self. If Purpose. The business that was yeah. teaching lean was was making sure that they had everything perfect and and then launched because there is there is it's a permanent struggle for perfection. And Does so it excite you? Yeah, yeah. This this new venture. Yeah, it's um, exciting. Yeah. So a new venture, a new baby. Um, what next, Nick? One, one more. <laughs> I will have to wait and see. <laughs> I think. Um, yeah, one day, one day at a time. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what the next crazy, crazy dream that gets planted in my head is. Yeah. What What's the legacy you'd like to build for your kids and grandkids if? If God decides to keep this world going for a few more centuries, um, a desire to know God mm -hmm. and um, a, a hunger for, for Him. If, if my if my kids and grandkids know that I placed tremendous value on that, then that's a, a lot of well spent.
especially if the result of that is um, fruit, you know, and a, 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 that define, will come. How do you define a hunger for God in your own life? Um, a um, tangible desire and practice of, of seeking God. Um, so passion to learn about the things of God, um, a thankfulness for the good things that God has done, a awareness of God in, in all things and actual, like, it's, it's difficult to define that because I feel like it's something that's, what do I feel like it's something that is, is, is inside you. Yeah. And like, how does that present? But it's like in your, in your, in your bones, yeah. you, you relish the goodness of God and that feeds out into the way that you act. The way that you talk to your children, the things that you teach your children, yeah. um, the way that you carry yourself, gentleness, kind, like all the fruits of the spirit, a real um, sense of, of purpose and belonging, mm. um, and a an engagement with with God. Yeah, in daily life. Mm. It's beautiful. Well, I hope that you plant that hunger in them and that you help them hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God. Because if you can put that desire in them, they'll be always seeking Him. And when they seek Him, they will find Him. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your story here. You're welcome. Privileged to have you. Thanks for having me. Well, what a beautiful story yet again. Uh, I just love to hear uh, and go deep with people to find out what God has done in their lives. And um, even with Nick here, just the testimony of how he handles everything that has been thrown at him, even in very difficult circumstances. He just takes it on and he continues to hunger for God. Um, I don't know where you're at on the journey at this stage. Is your hunger still real for God? Do you still seek intimacy with Him? Do you still seek His face? Do you want to know Him more? Uh, maybe that journey was there for a while and now it's dried up a bit and maybe you should pursue it again. God is there to be revealed. He wants to make Himself known. So I just pray that you open up your heart, create space in your life and allow Him to fill in that gap the things that are missing in your life because his presence is overwhelmingly beautiful as long as you hunger and thirst for him he will fulfill those desires of your heart so i thank nick for this beautiful evening and for what he's shared here i pray that this blesses you and you develop a hunger for god as well hope to see you next time at kingdom stories from down under my name is Nate. 
thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate, and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours.